Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Underhood Show presented by Mel Hamilton Ford. My name is Phil Nightingale. I'm the general manager and Josh Proffert, our service director. Morning, Josh. Good morning. Anyway, it's a beautiful Saturday morning out there. It's the only show I know you get paid to call in on, so let's get the phones ringing. 316-462-3673. That number comes right into the main desk here. Tell the girls you want to get patched into the podcast. And I guess we got a caller already. So we do. Let's get getting, going them, get, uh, uh, getting them sent through now, so we'll get them on the line. And we'll get them on the line here real quick and uh, get the, see what question we got already this morning. So let's get everybody, let's get everything going this morning. Love to hear from you. Love to answer your questions and anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, whatever it might be. But also... Get this great price package, and I don't think we probably got time to get it in there. We'll get, we get uh, yeah, we'll get the caller on here, but uh, it is the the phone number to call in is three one six four six two three six seven three. So let's go to the phones. Let's talk to uh, John. John, you're on live with Under the Hood. Go ahead. Hey, I've got a question. So I've got a '96 C fifteen hundred Chevy, uh, and at a dead idle, the oil pressure gauge indicates below about fifteen. Uh, PSI. When I accelerate, it jumps, of course, to 40 and beyond. Uh, do you think that the oil pressure sending unit needs to be changed, or do you think the oil pump needs to be changed? So how many miles are on this thing? Uh, about 270,000. Yeah. So there's a, you know, there's a, obviously a couple different things uh, that I would like to discuss with your question. So first of all, the the best thing to do is put a manual gauge on that uh, truck, and that's going to be the easiest way to identify if you actually have that for oil pressure or if there's a an issue with the sending unit. And then, uh, you know, let's say it is oil pressure. Um, that's kind of a discussion, but now let's talk about the sending unit for a little bit because uh, uh, it could be the sending unit, it could be the gauge uh, itself uh, from that side of things, uh, from the electrical uh, side of it. And so there would need to be really some diagnosis that would take place to determine on the electrical side what's going on. And then same on the on the uh, actual the oil side of it. So with that uh, number of miles, we could have an issue with uh, uh, you know, your tolerances in the engine are surely is not as tight as what they once were when it was new. Maybe just a little, uh, little worn, <laughs> 270,000 miles. A little bit yes. worn and to where maybe it's something that uh, just running a little bit thicker of an oil would uh, would help you uh, in the interim uh, from that side of it. Um, you know, a pump, uh, they do have like high volume pumps that, that move more volume of oil, uh, not necessarily more pressure but uh higher volume they have higher pressure pumps uh from those sides of, of things as well and then the other thing is i'm guessing you're going to be uh, probably pretty surprised at what the minimum spec of oil pressure is for that uh, engine uh you know without looking it up i wouldn't know the exact number but i'm gonna guess it may be eight psi something like that uh on a, on a minimum spec so um the very first thing I would do uh, would be to put an oil pressure gauge on it to see exactly what you have. Uh, if it's on the oil side, yes, uh, if it's on the, the oil side and that's all you're generating for pressure, uh, first thing I'd do is try a little bit heavier weight of oil with that with a vehicle with that many miles. Well, I it. put high mileage 1030 in it now, and I was thinking about putting an oil stabilizer in it. Uh, and in the morning when I started, it gets to about 50, stays there. And of course, after I've driven it for an hour or so, then it it'll shoot on down. Uh, and so I I definitely don't want to lose oil pressure. Sure. So sure. And so the it's it's really the weight of oil that would make a difference, and not so much the additives uh, from that side of things. So if you're getting a little bit thicker oil in it, it would it would increase the the pressure uh, a little bit from that side. So, Phil, I don't know if you got any. Yeah, I think the first thing is you got to get a manual gauge and just check and see if the electrical side of that gauge is working. But uh, I've always used this uh, situation, an example, your engine has valleys in it where the oil runs through it. And think of it as a river. As it gets over time, the river gets wider and wider, so it takes more area to pick up that room to run the water through your engine. But uh, once we see what that oil pressure is like at hot with a manual gauge we know that's working right then we can determine which way we're going to go but i'm going to almost bet you that that engine's just got some wear on it and got some extra stuff you can put some thicker oil in the thing and and keep going but i would still want to put uh the gauge on it, gauge just on to verify. it check. so we can we can throw a diagnostic onto your package uh for calling into the show and and put that manual gauge on there and just 
verify just exactly what uh, what is going on and if it is in fact uh, the oil side or the electrical side of it. So I'm going to guess probably. Because I believe this oil pump, I believe this oil pumps up in the up in the uh, under in the oil pan. Wouldn't I have to go through the oil pan or yeah. or raise the engine or disconnect the transmission? One or the other. Uh, so so it's pretty it's pretty mechanical out of my out of my pay grade. Yeah. So the that you are correct as far as the oil pump of that thing being in the oil pan. Um, is it a four wheel drive? Uh, no, sir. Okay. So, um, some of those, and you said it was a 96, uh, some of them had a, uh, removable cross brace where that oil pan was and, it, uh, you, you would have to remove the oil pan, but as far as like, uh, pulling the engine or transmission, uh, you could get it out of there without, out uh, having to do that but then there were i was trying to think about when they when they did that i'm think 96 is on the earlier end of it and i think you do have to at least like raise the motor up i'm gonna not gonna say completely remove it but uh once we like i said and i thought and i thought you said on the phone here i thought you said you Oh, no, 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 with us throwing that diagnostic on there, we can look at those things and give you options as far as uh, what it would what it would take to do it and all that stuff. So. Yeah, let's get it in here. Let's get a manual gauge on that thing and see which way we need to go. All right, I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. No, hey, thanks for the call, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we got another caller on the line, so let's get Leanne pushed through, get her on the phone, and then uh, good morning, Jason Cox. Good morning, James Furman. We will uh, get your question here next, Jason, after we get off the phone here with Leanne. Or if, Jason, you want to call in to discuss your question that you put in the chat line, it would be great. Love to hear from you, too. What, of course, get the call. You get uh, get the price package So yep. uh, for each and every caller, too. So, Jason, whatever you want to do, if you want to call in or wait till get off the phone with Leanne, we'll discuss it online. Uh What's going on with your question with your uh, 2015 F-150? Uh, Leanne, you're on live with Under the Hood. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I was uh, questioning. Uh, my son had just recently bought a vehicle, and um, it was a, a Mazda CX-7. And the place where we got it from did everything for it. Um, apparently, it was, it was a, in a vehicle wreck, and they fixed everything. Well, he went to go change his oil recently, and he sent me a photo of it, and apparently they put transmission fluid in his oil case. Is that bad? Uh, so there are a couple of vehicles out there. You said it's a Mazda MPV? Um, no, it's a Mazda CX-7. CX yeah, CX-7. Uh, and I have heard of uh, some cases where uh, they, they look very similar as far as the, the drain pans and, and plugs. Uh, so it, there's a lot of variables that are going to go into that. Uh, you know, if, if it was just in there for a very short amount of time and ran, um, did it do any damage? I would say, you know, probably not. Um, if it was something that was left in and run over uh, many miles, then then yeah, uh, there is definitely a potential for for damage. Um, there are a lot of similarities in the lubrication properties uh, between the two fluids, but also they're they're mm -hmm. designed to do different things. Um, and so for me, the answer would be the the uh, how long the fluid was in there. Yeah, we guess yeah. have we have we changed it back out. We we just got it changed uh, a few weeks back here, and because uh, like I said, it came out bright red, and yeah. then there was a small screen down below that was a golden yellow. So we knew there there was a little bit of of oil left in it, right? And then in the screen was just a complete bright red. Do you, do you then, know? And do you know roughly about how long uh, it was? Um, in the we we form? we ended up getting the car um, at the at the end of April or beginning of May. And we've been running on it since. Yeah, that would uh, that would concern <laughs> me um, uh, from that yeah. side of things. Yeah, and so sure. what do I? They, I have told them about it. They want us to bring it back in. After they wanted us to run it um, after the oil changed three to four hundred miles, just to see if that would clear it out. And then they wanted us to bring it back in. And um, what do I need to have them do to it? Do I need to do an engine flush or is this just something I need to have them check the transmission fluid? Cause when I pulled the dipstick on it, it was black. And so 
I think they may have swapped the two. They put tranny fluid in the oil and oil in the tranny. So there's a, a, a couple and, things that you had mentioned. One would be an engine flush. Uh, BG makes a, a compression restoration chemical. Um, and I would, I would highly recommend doing that. Definitely changing the oil uh, at much sooner intervals, uh, maybe three, four times, um, you know, at a couple, two, 300 miles, 500 miles, a, a, a shot to begin with. But then the okay. other thing I would do is, uh, uh, take an oil sample and basically look for any type of bearing material or, uh, medical metal particles, uh, in, in, in the fluid, uh, as you're doing it. Um, the other thing would be cutting the oil filter apart uh, in between those oil changes. And again, looking for that same bearing material, uh, or any type of, uh, engine metal, uh, in those components, uh, in between the oil changes. So that's one thing I do. The next thing I would yeah. do, I, I would run an oil pressure test and see if it's, yeah. see what the oil pressure is doing. I don't know if you've got a lighter gauge on your car, but I would kind of like the same previous caller with John is get a manual gauge in there and let's check that oil pressure when it's hot. And make sure that thing's holding okay. good oil pressure and stuff too. But like Josh said, taking some samples of oil and send them in for analysis is a good idea too. Uh, do I think there's some damage done? Yeah, I do. I think that running it that long from May till mm -hmm. now. How many miles though was that? Do you know have any idea? Um, originally it had 136 when we got it, and so um, I'm not for sure. It's like at 180 right now. So yeah. Well, but I mean, how long since they? Or, how long since May? Till 130. It's 138. So. I'm sorry. So, yeah. So from so May 2, till now, miles, about 2000 yeah. miles. Yeah. Yeah. Approximately. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I don't know. I, hopefully there's no damage there. I'm hoping in your side that there's not, but boy, running it that long on that thin yeah. oil and these kind of heats and everything else that we've got. Uh, but I would, mm -hmm. I would take and get an oil sample. And if you want us to help you with this, all this, we can do it for you too. We can send it. We got a VG has a great lab that can do that oil sample test for you. Uh, we can run the okay. manual gauge for you. And uh, let you know, and I guess that's the other thing so, is just for calling the I show. Do, I do have the original filter, so I do I did keep that. So yeah, so I have the, that original filter. And I don't know if you have any of that original fluid that came out of there too, but that would be uh, you know, doing an analysis on an analysis on I, I that do, and out exactly what it is. It is it is in a pan, but we he did try to empty out as much as he could of the previous oil that was in the pan. So there may still be previous oil plus whatever fluid came out of his car in there. So there still may be old oil in there previously from that. Yeah. So I don't know if it's mixed in with that, unfortunately. Yeah, I get we it. just have one pan that we do everything out of and he dumped out as much as he could into a one gallon jug and mm -hmm. and Yep. Well, let's do this. Try to empty it as much as possible. So what? Uh, what made you guys change the change the fluid? Was it just he, due? He, or? he just thought it was it was getting close. You know, I mean, you know, three thousand mile, and he just wanted to do it on his own. He's twenty one years old, on trying to do everything on his own now, and he just thought he'd do it. Well, the first problem was is they torque wrenched the plug on, and so he was having trouble getting that off, and so he had to hammer that off. When he got the plug off, then he's like took a picture of it and he goes, what's this red fluid, mom? And I'm like, well, what the heck? Why would they put transmission fluid in? And at first I kept researching, knowing that that car does take zero W20. So I know it is a thinner oil. So I know that that's, you know, and you can kind of clean your engine with that. But then I'm like, well, we've been running on that for quite a while. I don't think that's good. And so then he tried to get the filter off. And I don't know if it had to do with the transmission fluid being in there. He basically squeezed the heck out of that, trying to get that off. And it's completely crushed just trying to get filter off. So I don't know if that had anything to do with the suction on it. I'm not sure. I doubt that. I think it's probably yeah, overtight. Overtight, yeah. Yeah, overtighten it. So yeah. anyway, let's get it in yeah, here. Let's, yeah, let's get it in. Let's let us do an oil pressure test for you. Hot. And then okay. uh, let's take an oil sample in and send it in a BG and go see what we got. Make yep. sure you're okay. I hope you're okay. Okay. I appreciate it. We'll get a good test there for you and get some good results. And that test will probably take, uh, I don't know, at least a week, yeah. I think, to get back on that oil analysis from BG. But uh, we'll try to push it through as hard as we can and see what we got there for you, too. Okay. All right. I will uh, see what he can get in. He's got to work tonight at 5. So um, we live in Hutch. So it's, well. Yep. We got some stuff going on this afternoon, so okay. um, we'll try and get that in there. 
can. Sounds good, Leanne. Thanks for the call. We'll get you super. Make right. sure you're Thank okay. You. Thank Thanks. you. You bet. All right. Thank you. All right, got another call on the line. Let's get to another caller push through. We're going to get Ryan on the line here shortly. Anyway, uh, Jason Cox, again, I don't know if you heard me or not. Uh, we'll get through these callers and we'll answer your question online. Or if you want to uh, call into the show, Jason, you get the price package. And we still haven't discussed that price package, Josh, but that's okay. Yeah, we'll keep taking right. the callers, yeah. keep rolling on through here and uh, help you from that part, too. Morning, Delbert. How are you doing? So, uh, anyway, we're getting uh, Ryan pushed through he here is, real quick. Uh, he's. On his getting, way through. Getting patched through. 316-462-3673. That's a number to jump on the air here if uh, you want to got any questions you want us to answer. So let's go back to the phones. Let's talk to Ryan. Ryan, you're on live with Under the Hood. Go ahead. Thank you for having me. I've got a 2008 Dodge Caravan. Uh, my wife drives, and she says said about the last couple months that when she's parked on an incline and she gets in the car, then she feels like it's, it's uh, rough shifting it into gear and then most recently this week she said even when she's uh, stationary or flat in the garage when she puts it in reverse she feels like there's some struggle and um i mean you guys put a trans new transmission in my daughter's um vehicle uh, last month did a great job thanks i mean is it time for number two what do you what do you recommend what, what uh, is she feeling when she says there's there's rough shifting yeah so the the very first thing that i would wonder about is uh, what the fluid level is like if it's uh parked on an incline uh when you first notice it you know is the fluid level a little off and now it's even lower yet and that's why we're starting to notice it on uh on flat ground um from that side so the very first thing that i would want to look at is the is the fluid level uh it's transmissions are 100 percent just about pressure uh pressure and fluid it's uh it's all hydraulic uh i mean there's electrical components to it from that side but if it doesn't have the hydraulic pressure to to do what it needs to do if it's low um or there's not enough uh not enough fluid for it to do what it needs to do uh it could be an issue from that side other than just initially putting it in the gear uh is there any does it feel different or does it shift okay uh, from that side of things? No, even even when we put it in the gear now, she noticed maybe in some some of the shifting scenarios where she gets a little rough going maybe from second to third, that yeah. progression. Yeah. Yes, have, have we checked fluid at all? And uh, is this being recorded? Uh, no. Uh, am I <laughs> um, okay. So, so – yeah, and and tell me about this. Is it one of those that you have to you have to do when it's hot or when it's cold, or do you do it level? Talk about the schematics on how I'm supposed to do this. So, uh, typically, you always check check a transmission fluid, warm or hot. Uh, it's got to be uh, lot. Some of them have to be in neutral on level ground. Uh, some of them can be park uh, from that side of things. Always on level ground, obviously. Uh, but a lot of times, uh, the dipstick will have two indicator marks. So it'll have a cold level, and then it'll have a warm level or a hot level uh, from that side of things. But you know, fluids a, a vital uh, a vital part of that thing and how it operates. And you know, a typical transmission. I'm going to say uh, for that. Dodge would hold uh, probably about 10 quarts of fluid. You know, uh, I'm going to say 8 to 12 quarts of fluid would be the capacity of that of that uh, transmission. And what uh, is amazing about the transmission fluid, and this is, you know, pretty much across all, all makes, is that it takes a very little amount for that thing to be low before it will actually start making a difference in how it shifts and performs and, and things like that. So, um you know, the other side of it, it could be something electrical. There could be a uh, pressure control solenoid that's not doing its job and it's not, you know, not enabling the transmission to uh, build the pressure that it needs uh, to to be able to, to give you the feel that, uh, that, that everything's okay. Any type of check engine light or uh, anything along those lines? It's not on, no, sir. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, let's get it in here for a diagnostic yeah. is what I, I think is the best thing to do, Ryan. Let's get it in here and let our guys do some tests on it and stuff and uh, check that fluid level, check the for any codes that might be stored in the system that's uh, not turning the lights on or whatever, because that can happen with a transmission very easily. And then we can monitor the shift points, too, of that thing and see what it's doing also and stuff, too. And, you know, what I will say is uh, on transmission fluids, not something that you typically check. I mean, you don't 
unless you have a leak, you don't lose transmission fluid. And so if it right. was low, we would need to figure out, you know, where it went because th there's got to be a leak somewhere uh, from, from that side of things. And so um, we'll, like Phil said, we'll get it in here, get a diagnostic on it for you and, and take a look at that and figure out exactly what's going on with it. So. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Phil. Hey, you bet, Ryan. Thanks for the call, buddy. Anyway, uh, come more on the chat line. Good morning, Delbert Alt. Good morning, Greg Murray. Welcome to the best show, best call-in show on the internet. Thank you, Greg. Right, Appreciate that and everything else, too. So, anyway, uh, 316-462-3673. Some great calls here ready this morning. Love to take some more calls from you, help you figure out what's going on in the car. Tires, brakes, batteries, anything ailing it, whatever matter. We'd love to help you. Or if you want to talk about anything in the automobile world, you want to talk about anything in the racing world, doesn't matter. And as always, Josh, finally now at 924, yeah, a week to get out what's in the package. <laughs> so, Josh, as always, what's in that package for each and every caller? So, we're going to mail it out to you, but it's going to consist of the works, which is an oil change and tire rotation. We use Motorcraft oil and filter products here at Mel Hamilton Ford. Uh, while we're doing that, we're also going to complete a multi-point inspection, checking over the brakes, tires, steering, suspension, all the safety-related components, just making sure that vehicle is ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. You'll also receive yourself $10 to Mel's Diner, so you get something to eat and drink while you're here with us at the big corner. Complete nitrogen for your tires, so you get all the great benefits that nitrogen has to offer. And then a BG products package, which is going to consist of a can of MOA or motor oil additive for your engine oil. And then CF5 for your fuel system. Again, just getting that vehicle geared up and ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. All right, 316-462-3673. That's our main line right here at the dealership. Tell the girls as they answer the call you want to get passed into the podcast. We'll get you on the line here and then uh, get you that price package out. So anyway, a, lot of, a lot of great calls already yeah, this morning. Some for good sure, calls so. about what's going on with their cars and what's happening there, too. So uh, I guess uh, let's go back up to the chat line. I was trying to get Jason to call in the show and uh talk about his question he put on the chat line but he has a 2015 f-150 the transmission fluid needs to be flushed at every 50 to 60,000 miles i was under the understanding of 150,000 miles can you explain this better yeah jason i'd love to explain it to you better uh what you got to remember in the in the owner's manual those maintenance parameters or recommendations that the manufacturer has is the minimum that they care about and all the manufacturer cares about getting you taken care of is getting you through the warranty period, and that's it. After that, it's your baby. So now here's my question for you. Our, our transmission, I've lost them. How much our transmission uh, flush is, is how much? They're $199.95. So say 200 bucks. So, Jason, here's my theory on that. Can you go 150,000 miles without changing transmission fluid? Yeah, you probably can. But the, how long is that transmission? What's the shape of that transmission? What it's going to be like? And on a 15 F-150, Josh, what would be the cost to replace that transmission? You know, I, right, right now, I'm going to say 6,500. 6,500. Yeah. So, Jason, here's my thing. Let's go 150,000 miles. Let's change it every 50, and I'm going to spend $600 of your money. So, I don't know if you'd rather spend 600 or 6,500. I don't know about you, but I'd rather spend the, the $600 to make sure my transmission's staying good. I got good, clean fluid in it. And what you got to remember what happened, like Josh said earlier, transmission fluids don't leak or anything else like that. But what happens to that fluid over time, heat deteriorates that fluid and then it can't lubricate it can't do the things it needs to do so keeping good clean fresh fluid in that transmission is going to guarantee i promise you it's going to live so much longer than it would have if you don't service that transmission but everybody remember everybody's driving habits are different we all drive in hot climates we all drive in cold climates we idle we do all kinds of things like that towing and, is another huge thing yeah, when they towing, talk about transmission towing another thing and just remember what's in the owner's manual is the bare minimum that's it and again do you think the manufacturer cares if you make it to 150,000 miles on that transmission no because that what they want they want that transmission to go out so they can sell you another one uh that we'd buy from them or whatever too but uh if you want to protect your investment and that's what these are of course now today i'm still saying this our cars are not a depreciating asset right now anymore they're almost an appreciating asset for what's happening in the marketplace and everything else too but if you want to protect your investment let us sit down with you and with our service advisors and we can develop you a plan that will make your car run many, many miles more than not servicing it. Yeah. And I still go back to the many, many years ago when I was a little guy working with my dad. And I still remember the Fram commercial, pay me now or pay me later. <laughs> it was back then. And that's not even how these cars were. You know, back then we go 200 miles with all the things we have to do. Basically, we'd service a car back then at 200 miles, what we do now in 5,000 miles yeah. uh, from that part. So it's kind of crazy, Jason. And, uh, just let us help you sit down and develop a good plan that will make your car run forever. And uh, 
these product these services we have are good services we use bg products that help you that add extra additive packages to the oils mm-hmm. make them last longer so make them do their job uh you know much longer uh from that side of things and I, uh, on a daily basis, I can walk through the shop and, and look at different repairs that we're having to perform that would have went a complete different way had different preventative maintenance been, uh, taken, uh, by the customer along the way. And, you know, if, if you're doing a repair, the car's going to break, it's going to break at the, probably the most, uh, inconvenient time for you, um, on that side of things potentially even leave you stranded somewhere uh, as opposed to preventative maintenance is something that you get to pick and choose when you do uh, and it's it's just going to be more uh, a lot less expensive uh, on a maintenance versus a repair expensive repair from that side of things so uh, it's as far as like the owner's manual and and what they put in there it's impossible to have a blanketed owner's owner's manual that says you know every car needs this at this interval and that's where the multi-point inspection has such a value is because everybody has different habits everybody uses their vehicle in a different manner uh, and we're able to you know look at the fluids and look at the condition of the car and then not only that i mean there's value in the fact that that our technicians see more of your same vehicle in one day's time than you know uh and so they're able to to identify uh high rate of fail components to know where to go and what to look for and and why they're looking for that um but you know i was talking with a guy the other day uh specifically about individuals changing their own oil yeah i get it i understand it you know people want to do that and uh and why they would want to do that also, uh, you know, going through the value, you can barely, barely go down and buy uh, five or six quarts of Motocraft oil and an oil filter for the fifty nine ninety five that we charge for the works, which is an oil change, a tire rotation, top off all the fluids, rotate the tires, um, you know, and go through and have a certified technician technician look over your vehicle and to me that makes makes no sense to have somebody do that in their drive uh you know i'm, I'm kind of with you josh and then then you've got to get rid of uh your oil oil got to dispose mm-hmm. the oil correctly then you've got to uh, make sure that you've got your mess cleaned up and underneath <laughs> there and everything else i know you're going to spill a little oil every now and then stuff too but the other thing is really most importantly to me josh is getting someone that's used to looking at these cars yeah. every day to look it over because if you're a guy that gets under your car once every three to four or five, six months. Uh, do you know what to look for? Do you know what to see? Uh, some of this preventative maintenance and stuff like that that's going on. Uh, I don't think so uh, from that part. And like, again, like I said, you know, years ago, we'd go 200 miles and we'd fill the tank. We'd fill, put a quart of oil in. We'd put air up the tires. Check tire pressures. Tire you know, pressures. I can, yeah. I, I can. And the other thing is we were talking about this too. I think uh, you showed me that uh inflation tool or whatever yeah. that, that ring on there you know years ago the sidewall of these tires was <laughs> a foot itself yeah. you know and that's not the case this day uh, at this day and age we're talking we're doing you know 17 18 19 20s 22s you know from that side and it's just uh the the sidewalls are so thin you can't look at a tire until it's low anymore. really nope. so anyways let's go back to the phones let's talk to delbert delbert you're on live with under the hood go ahead Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing this morning? Doing Perfect. great. How are you, Delbert? Well, you know, I'm calling for two reasons. One is to ask you about the recalls that have gone out for uh, most of Ford's with the transmission part, which you call it. I don't even remember what it was called, but it's on my app saying I got a recall. Yep. So for my 18th escape, <clears throat> yep. I haven't had any issues with it. However, we park in the garage and we don't uh, park up hills or anything. So yeah. that's probably not going to be too big of an issue for us um so can you talk a little bit about that what the what the uh likelihood of it getting fixed at this particular time for those that are interested and um jason cox give him a call please <laughs> i know jason <laughs> so there is uh there isn't a uh, so he needs to just call you and get on the phone and talk to you <laughs> well there is a uh a recall out um for uh some escapes, some fusions um, from that side of things, and it is for a shifter bushing. So basically, uh, there's a manual cable uh, that goes from the shifter in the car 
to the transmission. And then at the transmission, essentially it's a, it's a ball and socket. Uh, the, the ball is on the case of the transmission and then the socket is a little kind of plastic rubber neoprene uh, socket that pops over the, the shifter uh, ball on the transmission. And so what's happened is uh, Ford's developed a, or has a recall out to replace that bushing. Um, if, uh, you know, warning signs would be that you would move the, move the shifter uh, and it would maybe feel uh, funnier or like it's not uh, completely going uh, from one, one gear to the other or there's a, a little bit of a deviation in what the indicator says versus what actually gear you're in. Uh, you know, the worst case scenario would be that it would come completely off and you would not be able to move, uh, you wouldn't be able to move the shifter. Um, as far as actually on the transmission, the shifter in the car would move, but but not on the transmission. And so uh, that's worst case scenario. As far as parts availability, they are readily available at this time. Uh, and that is something that, uh, you know, uh, I know you're down in Oklahoma, uh, but we, we do have parts available. Uh, and it's a very simple, easy fix uh, as far as to replace that bushing. So there's a pretty low percent of fail rate on that. Um, I think they said, you know, less than probably 5% of, of all vehicles would actually have a fail rate with it. But in either case, uh, you still replace that bushing. What's the time frame that you guys would need a vehicle to take care of that? You know, uh, if uh, if it was just that repair, that's something that we would take care of at our quick lane facility, and it would be a same-day repair. Well, that's cool. That's just a lot of people would probably have that question. So sure, want to make sure that got answered. And I do have the same issue with mine, but uh, uh, I haven't had any problems with it. Uh, we have approximately 54,000 miles on the car and never had any issues with it. So yep. <clears throat> wanted we wanted to bring that up and, and you know. Yeah, recalls are so different these days and ages with how they have to do it. Years ago, that recall, the manufacturer would know they had a recall. NHTSA would uh, get a hold of the manufacturer and start the recall process. And then it used to be that we could hit all the parts in the dealership ready to go, special tools in the dealership ready to go if we needed them or whatever, and then the actual repair procedure to how to fix the cars. Then they would announce the recall. Now, as soon as the manufacturer knows they have a recall, because some manufacturers – didn't abide by the old rules. As soon as that recall is known about, it has to get announced. And that's what's hard for us is we've got vehicles that we want to fix, but they've already announced the recall and uh, don't know what to do with it because we didn't have a repair procedure yet to know how to fix the cars or what they want to do. And let alone get the parts yeah. uh, to fix them and stuff. So that's what is so hard t today is we have to announce those. The manufacturer has to announce those recalls before all that stuff is ready to go on how to fix the cars and everything else, too. And uh, shame on those manufacturers that abused that program and made it hard for everybody else out there in the marketplace to to take care of these situations and stuff, too. And it's hard when you, you know, the recall gets announced and we don't know what to do to fix it. We, we know what it is, everything else like that, but don't have a clue what we're going to do. You know, the other, the other thing about uh, recalls that, that really affect, you know, the public and dealers and everything like that is uh, the, the media, I think, sometimes doesn't do a great job of explaining what a recall actually is. And then not only that, but how specific uh, the manufacturers are on some of these recalls. You know, they'll go out and blast out, you know, hey, every uh, or a 2019, a 2019 to 2022 escape has a has this recall. Well, not every one made has that recall. I mean, they, when they issue a recall, <clears throat> they're so VIN specific by the Julian date, the build date. I mean, a manufacturer may change a part, uh, you know, three months into production and just the first three, three months of that production need that recall. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, anytime the manufacturer comes out with a recall, it'll tell you the number of, uh, the number of vehicles that are in that recall state and they they've got it down to a science. They really do. Years ago, when you've seen a recall, it was typically a large 
mass of vehicles and anymore it's pretty isolated comparatively you know you're you're talking the number of units that uh, are actually involved in a recall seem to seem to be getting to be less and less now there's more of them i will say yeah. there's a lot more recalls now than there probably ever was uh but the number of units that are involved in it is is a lot less than it ever was yep exactly and well, number one reason why they're not having any any larger recalls than they do is because they're catching it before uh it gets to the point of somebody getting hurt or killed uh, which makes it better because now the manufacturer is catching it earlier on before anybody gets hurt or killed and i think that's one of the best things and ford's always been really good about that in the first place um but uh yeah, my 2020 Fusion doesn't seem to have the same issue, but it also has that rotating yeah. knob mm -hmm. for the shifter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't jump, but I kind of... Yeah, there's a, there's well, a lot I of... I have a tendency to put it in park when I'm going reverse sometimes. So, yeah, I, yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I get that too. The other thing I like about the rotor, rotary knob is when you are pulling up to somewhere, for example, pull up to your house or pull up to mailbox, whatever, and you open the door... It puts that baby in park for you. So I kind of like that safety feature, to be honest with you. Because sometimes I slip up I a little bit. I have not tried that yet. I will <laughs> yeah. be trying that. So that there, is something I have to try. There's two ways to look at and that. another thing about the Fusion, and, and some other Fords may do this too, if you're in drive, the, the rear door, since I do Uber, the rear doors will not open the first time you pull the handle. You have to pull it twice. Yeah. Yeah, if they're locked from it's the inside. It's kind of annoying for the passengers. So did you lock me in? No. <laughs> <laughs> Thought about it, though, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, no, no, none of them. Uh, come out. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Get it totally. So, all right. Here's another plug. Jason Cox, give him a call. Come yeah. on, I'm with you. Come on. I need more information, buddy. Come on. Yeah, you can do it. Come on, Jason. Getting called out on the uh, getting called out. Kind of like somebody else gets called out in the air too, right? <laughs> it doesn't work for him either. So, yeah. Hey, Delbert, thanks for the call, buddy. Really appreciate it. And uh, let us know when you're coming back to the big city, Wichita, will you? We will definitely do that. Of course, you'll probably be racing, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. <laughs> well, uh, have a good right, day, Delbert. Right. Right. You too, buddy. All right, 316-462-3673. Hey, let's get the phones ringing. Got some great calls already today. Love to give away some more price packages, about over 130 bucks for each and every caller. And all you got to do is call in the show, Jason. That's all you got to do. You too, Jeff. That's all you got to do, just call in the show. So anyway, uh, let's see. Exciting stuff. Let's switch over to new products for a minute. So how about last night? Oh, golly, what are we doing? Last yeah. night, we were at the hospice event for Reno County, and we were over at Prairie Dunes, and it was our 11th year to give away a car. I can't believe it's been 11 years. Me either. Give it's away crazy. 11 cars. Yeah. But anyway, we've done that for so long over there to help. And it's not just, it's Reno County. It's not just touching. So it's a whole part of Reno County. It's a non-for-profit. Yep. This is one of the biggest events that Hospice of Reno County has, and uh, we've been in, involved with that so many years, and it's always so fun to give away a car. Uh, so we basically Monday morning, I was over on the KWBW radio show and, uh, we drew the first five winners. And then last night they, uh, sold the tickets and we drew five more and we had 10 and it was a first key that started it. Isn't that I can, crazy? I cannot believe it. So the other thing was it was the last key out of the bucket. So I had all your 10, <laughs> the 10 people up there and I had the, the bucket of keys went through and, you know, let them choose whatever key the last guy, uh, you know, he, he had one option. Yeah, that was it. Option. It was the winning option. And, but, and he uh, sat in the car first and fired it up. And here's the funny thing about that is I was so excited because it seems like, you know, everybody is, we always have kind of this, a few always in the, in the same people. Yeah. The first five had never gotten a key before. Yeah. So I was excited about that. But this was, and I hate to say, this is the third time that Mr. Tim Ritter has that won is, a car. That is crazy. Third time. That is absolutely uh, so, crazy. So uh, I think maybe we have to kick him out next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he bought a lot of tickets and everything else like that to, uh, you know, to help with that. And it was a great event over at Re Hutchinson, Reno County, at Prairie Dunes last night, giving away that car. They had all kinds of great live auctions and silent auction stuff, and of course the food and drink was really good and stuff too. Got to meet some, not to meet, got to catch up with some old friends over there since I've moved here back to Wichita and stuff too. So that was cool and stuff uh, from that part. But anyway, congratulations, Tim Ritter, on another win of the car at Reno County Hospice. Kind of crazy. It is. It is good very time. crazy. Good time. So be interesting to see how they, how they did on the uh, dollars yes. raised and everything else, too. So it'll be interesting. I'll get those numbers next week and stuff from them and see how they did and stuff, too. So very cool. 
on that part. So very fun. Can't wait for next year. See how it's going to go next year too. So anyway, so now let's switch to new products. How about okay. that? Yep. Uh, order banks are opening up on cars. So uh, yeah, it is. It's a tough deal. You know, I talked to a guy yesterday, last night, Josh, who was headed over to Hutch and he called me and said, Hey, I need to order some trucks. I need some super duties. And I said, you know, I'd love to help you. They just, I can't, I don't, everything I got coming is sold. I have no stock units whatsoever. And uh, all we can do is order. And that's kind of where we're at right now. So many things are a lot of still bare. Uh, everything that's coming in has been pre-sold or ordered uh, from that part. But the order banks are open up for 23 right now. The F-150 is open. Uh, Explorer is open. And Transit is open. And just here in a few weeks, we're going to have some more stuff happening. And uh, the full-size Broncos should start opening up. But it's not really opening up for new orders. We've still got so many people that kind of held off. They put the reservation in for a 21 they pushed over for 22, and then they found out all these new things that are coming for 23, so they pushed off into 23. So those people there are going to get to go first and get ro rolled into the 23 order bank, and then we'll go in after the rest of those after that, and then we'll be able to start accepting new orders for the 23 model Bronco, full-size Bronco. Uh, they announced a new heritage edition. Yeah, I did. I've seen, uh, uh, seen that. So it looks pretty cool, retro and back to the 70s of some of the paint schemes and stuff like they had. And guess how many of them we're going to get? Not very many. Yeah. There's going to be very few of those coming through for that side on the Bronco. Uh, so anyway, so the other thing is going to be open up. Expedition is going to be opening up. Uh, Bronco Sports going to be opening up. So And Ranger is going to be opening up. So we're gaining here pretty good. Uh, Mach-E will open up on the 25th. I do know that for sure. Uh, they've they've locked us in on that. So if you're looking to do something on a Mach-E, 100% electric car, that order bank on the 25th will open up. And then uh, let's go to Lightning. Uh, we still got over 50-some customers that put reservations in. And so far, I've talked to every one of them. They are still all interested in a mock in the Lightning. And I wished I knew how many we were going to get for 23. They have not told me that or yep. won't tell me that. I don't know if they know yet how many they think they can produce in a 23 model year. I hope. We ended up getting five total, which includes one, which is our demo unit we have here. And again, if you haven't drove the Lightning, want to take a test drive, come out and take a test drive. We have the Maverick set in here, and we have a yep. full-size Bronco set in here. So come out and drive all three of them. Just come out and have some fun with them. But anyway, the Lightning, so uh, uh, we got five total, but again, four. Uh, we delivered uh, two. And we got two more coming. Two more still. And they're still all, both of them are built. They're in shipping uh, from that part. So we'll... Hopefully the number, I'm hoping we get a big number for 23 and they can produce more of them. But I know the holdup was batteries and getting it on the 22 model trucks and everything else too. So uh, can't wait to see what have, happens from that part. Have you, I don't, I guess I'm, uh, the couple that we had are either one of those extended range. Uh, one was, one was, well, okay. The two we've delivered so far, the first one was an extended. The second one was not an extended yeah, range. And then ours is not. No, yep. and then the next two that are coming are extended range. So I didn't know. I, I was wondering if maybe that was kind of the holdup on on those couple that were uh, headed in. So, um, from that part, I yeah. So that's what we got coming. And both of them, the next two that are coming are both lariats. The first one we delivered was a platinum, and uh, the one we've delivered already was a lariat, like a normal range battery on the one we've already delivered. So what I was uh, uh, wondering. You know, on and not just specifically to Ford, but uh, across all manufacturers, to be able to meet demand. If you would uh, see the market, you know, this morning we had several uh, cars get dropped off uh, from a transport overnight, and it it does seem like we're getting uh, the flow of cars coming in seems to be increasing uh, from that side. And so I, I will say that. But I, the are you seeing manufacturers maybe kind of slim down what their options are so they can better mass produce these things it's, uh, it's, you know josh that's exactly what's happening uh, uh they're taking options away so they can build what they can build and i'll give you an example is uh let's go with the 22 f-150s they called me up and said hey you've we promised you these raptors i said yes and they haven't built them yet I had to take equipment off of them so they would build to get them. Basically, yeah. I had to take the auto stop off, which some people don't like that. Yeah. We had to take the uh, parallel park off, and then we had to take sunroofs out. So yeah, we're it's so now I think we're getting into an issue now to where there will be. Uh, it's not just chips. I think they're running into suppliers that can't produce enough parts to provide to, to meet that, the demand yeah. for that part, and that's why I think that's where like they called me and said take the sunroofs off. Uh, you know, we've had to take hitches off stuff. We've had to take fifth wheel gooseneck 
packages off, off the super duties and stuff like that. So I think we're running into that too. Do I think that's going to continue? Yeah, I think it is going to continue. I mean, I think, uh, you know, from the, the Model A or the statement of uh, you can have any color you want as long as it's black <laughs> yeah. type, type thing. But, you know, at, at some point, the, the the demand for the product is is so high, especially when I think of like these super duties and all the businesses and corporations that are, you, they, they got to have these to, for their tools. You know, yeah. they got to go to work with them and, yeah. and you know, if uh, probably don't care about an option one way or the other. It's just more uh, getting Need the vehicle. Need a truck and uh you know it's like yesterday enterprise I, I i'm everywhere looking for cars to buy and buy correctly and stuff like that and enterprise called me with three work truck super duty xlts and uh bottom I yeah because i know there's guys out there that need that type of a truck and everything even though it's used and got a few miles on them and stuff like that too i bought them just to have them because we need those trucks i've not had a we've not had a stock super duty on our lot for over two years yeah so that's that's the hard part there is trying to have that's like the guy called me yesterday. He really wanted six trucks. He said, only I can do for you is order these trucks, and that's going to be sometime, I'm going to guess, somewhere in November range, and I'm probably not going to see them because they're 20, be 23 models. I wouldn't see them until probably March is what they're kind of telling us because they're going to build the 22 Super Data all the way through December and then start the 23 up in January, but then there's a switch over time yeah. because there's a lot of changes coming for 23 on the super duty so that's going to be a change of course that's what we're guessing we'll so see a delay the first then yet again yeah and i don't you know for them to to take a model year uh, like that all the way to december i mean typically you're getting yeah, you the next year models you know july august september the year before and, uh, and the reason for that is just there's so many sold orders in the order bank and it's just like us too i still got probably over 70 to 80 i can't remember the exact number of super duties i have in the system that are sold taken and everything else too yeah so that makes it tough on that side to, to for these guys that need these trucks, like the guy said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, yeah, I'm going to tell you, you're going to keep driving what you got because no one's got inventory. Yeah. I don't care where you're talking to Chevy, you're talking Dodge or who you're talking about. No one's got this inventory. And, and uh, you know, I'm on a couple boards with Ford and looking down the pike, it looks like about 90 days down the pike here because that's about how far the Ford can forecast and see where they're at. It does. The numbers do look better, yeah. not a lot better, but they do look a lot better than what they've looked like for the last year or so. And then it goes back to, can they get the suppliers to do that? Next thing is, can they ship them? Because I've got trucks still sitting in, in Dearborn that's been there for quite a while that they say they can't get rail cars, enough rail cars to, to get them out of there. To get them, yeah. uh, so that's another issue that we fight too. And it's, it's kind of crazy. You can kind of see, uh, just like yesterday, we had just an old hotshot guys. I call them that hotshot cars all over the country that's bringing us our new cars. So they're looking for everybody to find things to, of ways to getting these vehicles shipped and get them to us and, and that sort of thing. And then, you know, what happens then is it's, it's a disaster with knowing where that car's at, who where it's coming, and uh, I used to be able to pinpoint the car to almost an hour when it would show up here. Yeah, boy, I can't anymore. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a good guess when they're going to show up and not show up and everything else too. From that part, so now you can when you see them around the corner over here. Off of Let me tell you, we all jump up and down and get, yeah, and get excited yeah. when, a, when a transport shows up. We're all rolling to see what's on it, where we're at, and and uh, I think we had three transports yesterday and every one of them that came in on the transports were sold. I yep. mean, that's pre-sold or whatever from that part. So. You know, and that takes me back to the, the maintenance side of things or the service interval side of things is these vehicles, they really will go the miles that you want to go with them. It's it just about maintain, maintaining maintenance, you know, and, and the care you give it uh, from that side. And that's why, you know, that multi-point inspection and, and having that vehicle serviced every 5,000 miles is so important. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't, years ago, hundred thousand miles cars would be going to salvage yard, yes, you know, and were. right now, I mean, I can, you can walk up to a 250,000 mile car and it looked just as good and run just as good as it did, you know, uh, yeah. At 50,000 miles. Now I have seen some cars that were not taken care of that at 30,000 miles look like they belong in a salvage yard, but that's, uh, you, you, you really got to try to do that. You know, yeah. I can think of a 21 truck that uh, yesterday I walked back here. I saw that same oh, truck. Oh, man. I don't know how someone. It, they wasn't even out of warranty yet. Yeah. And it was a, it, it was just unbelievable uh, Un from that side. Unbelievable. So. It's correct. So it's, 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 again, we can go down that road, but it's not going to gain much if we try to do that either. But, uh, but anyway, uh, so that's the story of the new, oh, one thing, Maverick. Maverick should be opening up here in September. Uh, they decided to push that order bank back a little bit on Maverick just because of the, again, so many 22s in the order bank. And I think they thought they were going to first push some of those into 23. I think they've decided to wait another month and build another month on the 22s. 
and then switch over to 23, which I don't think there's going to be any changes in the Maverick for 23. Yeah. You know, I've been uh, really impressed with that truck and, uh, you know, looking or being on the service side of things, we haven't really had many come in for any kind of situation. Yeah, any kind of issues or situations. And on a new product launch like that, you know, uh, typically you'll you'll run into a couple things here or there, but it's a very economical truck. It does wonderful for fuel economy and stuff like that. They're pretty comfortable for, you know, I'm not a short guy by any means and, you know, uh, plenty of leg room and, and stuff like that. So I, I really do think Ford, uh, did a did a home run with that thing uh for sure yep it is it's a cool you know like we said when we first announced the truck i was so excited about it but then after you and i and shannon and lisa went down to dallas and drove them i was pumped about them and just like yesterday i jumped in the our demo maverick because i needed somewhere to go real quick and was just sitting right there and grabbed the keys took off in it and i mean it's a fun truck to drive and the room inside the cab is bigger than a ranger uh, so there's plenty of room inside there and everything else too, but it's just a fun truck to drive. Yeah. So if you haven't drove the Maverick, uh, got some, just want to come check one out or whatever, we've got one here for you. Just take for a spin and go. Then if you want to take the Lightning for a spin, it's it's charged and ready to go. And then we've got the full size Bronco still sitting here. And of course, everybody's wanting to know when I'm gonna sell that full size Bronco, but I think we're getting pretty close. We're about ready to sell it. I think. Yeah. Uh, what's coming? I think we'll wait till the. 23 order bank is open and stuff because uh for that part to have that and uh and go Get another one here yep yeah so anyway josh about running out of time had some great callers on the phone everything else too anything else you need to add anything happening at all there you know on the on the service side we've noticed a huge uptick and you know people going back to school uh for sure so if uh, you got a kid headed off to college or uh whatever like that definitely it's it's worth the weight and gold Man, i think uh, i think kids are gone yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely hard part. definitely worth the weight and gold to, to make that happen or get that vehicle looked over uh, you know before they before they head out for sure yep. it's uh you know it's been a uh, definitely a hot summer i cannot believe the number of 100 degree days we've had uh but uh, i sad to say but i think we're kind of winding down, winding on down that side of things, days, yeah. getting, getting the cooler weather in and already starting to notice uh, uh you know the day and days uh starting a little later as far as daylight and a little sooner i know i, I know I, I, know. <laughs> I hate to have that conversation and we, we won't talk about it but yeah. uh Hey, anyway, other thing we haven't talked about, too, if you look over in our southwest corner of our of our yep. lot, there's a lot of construction happening over there. We were building a state-of-the-art detail shop. Uh, it's kind of one of the areas we've been lacking in facilities and stuff. We're going to have it heated and air-conditioned, all climate-controlled, uh, inside and out, and uh, going to do a lot of stuff there with ceramic coatings and uh, film and all kinds of stuff in that part. But we're going to build a – it's in process. Hopefully, we'll be in there by the end of the year. Uh, so stay tuned for more updates on that. And how we progress with that detail shop and how we're going to be able to do more cars, sell some more details. And we, I know customers want and yeah. need, we just haven't been able to get them done and stuff too. So uh, I guess the other thing I'm going to tell you, hey, if you are a professional detailer and you're looking for a job or whatever, we're getting ready to hire several people to go into that new detail shop. We'd love to take you now and get you ready to go uh, from that part. Uh, climate control ain't going to be near as bad because it's not so hot out or whatever. We won't get into the cold weather for quite a little bit. But uh, hopefully by the end of the year, Evans Building will have that detail shop up and running for us. And uh, they've had a lot of headway so far. Yeah, when I say uh, they're not letting any grass grow under them, I mean it like they're plowing it up and not um, letting any grass grow under them for sure. So Yeah, but this week we're going to have some concrete yeah. board and stuff too and then the metal building setting out there and stuff so it's going to get fun and exciting here shortly so stay tuned on the updates as we go pro along with our uh state-of-the-art detail shop coming soon to mel hamilton ford so anyway hey everybody i think we're running out of time josh and uh been a great show thanks everybody that called in thanks for all the comments on the comment chat side appreciate that very much too and as always everybody have a great saturday and we'll talk to you next saturday <laughs>